This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom. So we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. We are back and we are live. Welcome to Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper, the co-host and analyst as always, the more important guys, Chris Olson, Joe, Joe Kahoot. I believe your last name is Joe. I've never actually tried to say your last name. Did I get that yeah, right? No, you didn't. But uh, don't, don't worry. Most everybody does. My last name is rough. That's why I go by the that's why, that's why I go by Sun Tzu. So it is Sun Tzu on Twitter, at Real Chris Olson, and we are talking tough 27 finale and UFC 226. It is the 2018 International Fight Week. And you know what? Because we really just got all the tough 27 card released, we're going to run through, before we get to the promos or any of that stuff, we're going to run through the tough 27 card for DraftKings. I'm going to give you the matchups and the pricing. We're just going to give a one-name answer for who we think is going to win the fight and a little bit more info at the end. So let's run through these so we can get to UFC 226. First up on the Tough 27 card, I almost read the wrong card. It is Oscar Pajota, 9,000, taking on Gerald Mearshart, 7,200. I'll take Pajota. Chris? Uh, close fight, but I'm going with Mearshart. Man, I want to berate you, but we got to move on. Uh, Joe? I will take the dog as well. Near Shark. Whoa. All right. Um, Matt Bissett, 8,900. Steven Peterson, 7,300. I'll take the dog in this one. Peterson. Well, now it's I who would like to berate you because I'm going with Bissett. Joe? I'm taking Peterson. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, you know what? Almost everyone's been the odd man out. Let's let's see if we can get, get Joe to be the odd man out. As Tyler Diamond taking on Bryce Mitchell. I have Diamond. Uh, Bryce Mitchell. I will take Diamond. Oh, okay. All alone again. By the way, the pricing for that one, 8400 for Diamond, 7800 for Mitchell. John Gunther, 8400 Alon Zuniga, $7,800. i will i will take a nap rather than pick this fight, but I, I'll take Gunther for 8400 Chris? Uh, Gunther is basically a punching bag. I'm taking Zuniga. Yeah, I have no strong opinion on this one. Joe? I can't pick anybody who leads with this face, so I will take Zuniga. Luis, violent Bob Ross, Pena, 9,300, taking on Richie Smolin, 6,900. I'll take the violent artist. Chris? I'm going with Bob Ross as well. And I think we are in agreement on this fight. Make it a trifecta. I think that's the first one. 
There we go. Montana De La Rosa, 8,500, taking on Rachel Ostevich. I noticed her last name isn't listed anymore, at least on DraftKings. It's usually Rachel Ostevich Perdome, but maybe she's single now. Who knows? Either way, I'm picking against her. I'm taking Montana De La Rosa, and I suspect it's a little bit of leverage there. Chris? Yeah, I'm going Ostevich. Of course. Toss-up toss up fight, going for the one who looks better at weigh-ins. That's uh, Ostevich. Julian Marquez, 8,800, taking on Alessio DiCiarico, 7,400. Give me DiCiarico, the upset. Chris? Uh, I agree. I'm, I'm taking DiCiarico. I am taking the Cuban Missile Crisis, but I think it's going to be a lot more difficult a fight than people think. It, it's, All right. It's going to be interesting. Barb, soccer mom, Hanchak, 8,700, taking on Roxanne. I've been around forever. Matafari at 7,500. I'll take Honchak, I guess. Chris? I'm going with the crime fighter. Give me Roxy. I will take the happy warrior, Roxy. Again, go. I don't have a strong opinion on that one. So, uh, Alex Caceres, 8,300, taking on Martin Bravo, 7,900. I'll take Caceres in a close fight. Chris? Um, I actually think Martin Bravo lights him on fire. So, there you go. Joe? Bruce Leroy by a wide margin. You know, we would have had a really fun podcast if this was the podcast. We just yeah. a lot. Wow, I really kind of want to talk about that one, but I guess oh, we can't. Ho- hopefully we um, – you know, I have a feeling we're going to have a few of those on the uh, 226. Into the Ultimate Fighter finale um, fights, which are really interesting and hard to pick just historically for me. We have Jay Cuccinello taking on – I should have his first name up. It is Joe Giannetti. I'll take – Giannetti to win. I don't think the heart gets Cuccinello by this time. Chris? Uh, Giannetti pretty easily for me. Giannetti very easily. Mike Trezano, 7,600, taking on – oh, I I messed up that fight. Scratch that, guys. I combined two fights. Oh, right, let's, boy. let's circle back. That is my fault. It is Brad Katona taking on Jay Cuccinello. Cuccinello, yep. Okay. I have Katona in that one still at 8,600. Chris, still, still on Katona? I have, I have Katona, yes. I have Katona as well. And it's Joe Giannetti at 8,600 taking on Mike Trezano at 7,600. What threw me on that one is those two fights are priced exactly the same. Ah. Yeah. And I knew in my head it should it always add up to 16 too. And I, either way, I still have Giannetti. I have, I have both favorites. Yeah, Chris? I have um... – I'm sorry, so you, now I'm confused. So that fight is Shizano Giannetti? Yes. Shizano Giannetti. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. The one, that's yeah, I'm still, final. Right. Okay. I'm still I'm still going Giannetti as well. Right. Oof. It's hard for me to pick. He's my homeboy, is Trezano. Um, I think he's a better striker. I'm going to pick Trezano to get the upset. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so, I like Giannetti against the other guy, but. <laughs> yeah. Match better. Well, I think that fight instead. It's a lot easier for the for the DraftKings. Yeah. And and the main event, one that I really want to break down, but just don't have the time. Israel Adesanya, eighty two hundred, taking on Brad Tavares, eight thousand. I will take the Hawaiian Michael Bisping, as they said on half the battle. I really like that one, so I'll take I'll take Tavares, Chris. With the caveat that we still don't know the severity of his foot injury, now it's going to affect him. I'll take Tavares. Okay. Well, I cannot pick someone who is a spokesperson for life alert. So I'm with Tavares as well. Just a little bit of um, 
little bit of trivia here is uh, Santos weighed in at 185 as a potential replacement for Tavares in case he can't go. That's right. Yeah. Well, that'll that'll set DraftKings on fire. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's wrap this one up. So I'll go first. We're just going to lead with our favorite favorite high price fight on the card and some dog value. You know what? Give me Oscar Pajota. I know you guys both picked against him. I really think he gets GM3 out of there. I don't think GM3 is that good. And for my upset pick, my favorite fighter, priced below the midpoint at 8,100. Scrolling through, I will take Alessio DiCirico. Hmm. Uh, well, okay. I'm sorry. Is it me? Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, my favorite fighter on the card is actually – uh, not that expensive, and it, it is uh, Martin Bravo at 7,900. I like him to get uh, an early stoppage here. And uh, let's see if we're gonna we're gonna pick a uh, more expensive. Uh, ooh, I'll go Mapaset for 8,900. Okay, I'm gonna go with Violent Bob. I think that is the surest finish on the card. Is Violent Bob, and then um, I, I, Tavares is a dog, so I'm going to go with Tavares as my dog play. Although he's not a big dog, but I'm going to go with Tavares. Fair enough, and that is tough. Tough 27 for DraftKings guys. A little disclaimer: I think we can all agree on it's not a great DFS card. I know we love DFS MMA. It's why you're listening. Don't go nuts with your bankroll on this one. It is a funny card. GPPs leave a lot of money on the table. A lot of live dogs. Let's get into UFC 226. Uh, again, you know what? Be, um, before we start, Rotowire MMA is what makes all these podcasts possible. If you're watching on YouTube, which hopefully you are and watching this live, go ahead and type in the chat. If you're not, uh, subscribe to this podcast on Rotowire MMA and watch us next time on YouTube. Uh, go to rotowire.com slash free, 10 day free trial to all of Rotowire's uh, usually paid content for all fantasy sports, season long and daily from baseball to basketball to obviously MMA, soccer. They have everything over there. And their golf analyst. you got to follow their golf analyst. He's actually made me some money. And a personal plug, Sun Tzu, for the Rotowire golf content. Um, when don't you make money, Joe? I feel like, I feel like you're rolling in it. Trust me, I'm gonna... not. <laughs> like I said, when, you're, when you have women in your life who don't work, yeah, you, you, uh, you, give, you, give, you give more than you take in. It, uh, it goes very quickly. Yes, it does. Uh, and for all of us, I am at the DFS Sniper 1S on Twitter, at Real Chris Olson, at Sun Tzu. Enough of the pleasantries. We had a bunch this week. Let's get to UFC 226, down to 11 fights as we lose Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. I had my Hawaii shirt, you know, already. I was going to pick Holloway. I was feeling great about it. And uh, the concussion symptoms, you know, best out to Max. That, to me, I think was the real main event. And these guys told me right before we jumped on, apparently – Cormier tripped over something um, the media day, I guess, or the, the ceremonial staring, the yeah, ceremonial yeah. stare downs, and hopefully he's okay. Otherwise, this card is really in trouble. Like, what would be the main event at that point? Well, you, did you hear the rumor floating around about potentially Edgar facing Jeremy Stevens for yet another one of the many interim titles? Um, I, I did hear that. I hope it doesn't happen. God, Let, let's let Frankie Ed, Edgar rest, please. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So, anyway, let's we'll, we'll get to th those to that headline fight later. We start off with one that I think we all want to get through pretty quickly. Jamie Moyle, ninety-two hundred, taking on Emily Spitfire Whitmire. 
at 7,000. Uh, they're both not good. Moyle is less not good. It's hard for me to pay the price, but she's in play for GPPs. I'd be surprised if Whitmire wins, but again, it's low-level MMA. But give me Jamie Moyle. Uh, you know, we'll start with Joe. So, look, I love love both Jamie is a cool nickname. Um, I, it's hard for me to get behind anyone that was bloodied up by Caitlin Curran. And if you look at that fight, yes, she won the decision, but that was arguably the closest fight that Caitlin Curran actually came to winning in the UFC. And we all know what she's doing right now. She's doing some like Sun Tropic commercials. Or, I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, I can't see the price, which I think is 9.2K. I can't see, you know, the minus 300 betting line. Um, I, I am going to pick a slight upset in uh, – oh, slight upset. I'm going to pick a, a, a upset in Whitmire, um, although I'm not super confident, obviously. I just think that it's it's – much closer a fight than negative 300. And I certainly would not be using a whole lot of Moyle at that price. Um, so again, just going for an upset. That's actually kind of how I feel about the main event, but a little foreshadowing, we will get there. Chris, what do you got in this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I obviously feel the same way that, you know, Moyle shouldn't be 9,200, but um, I do think that she, probably wins and might finish here. And I say that because look, we know we know what Moyle wants to do, right? She needs to wrestle and she needs to be successful at wrestling because if she's not, then like her striking is pretty, you know, pretty pretty rudimentary. She doesn't really find her range all that well. But I mean look, Ro- Robertson found Whitmire's back and she did it pretty easily and ended up finishing with another submission. That was actually pretty slick. But um but I think that um if Moyle is, is singularly minded here. I mean, she gets a lot of body trip takedowns, and I, I think she can find the back. Um, Whitmire likes to rush in, and I think that's going to give uh, Moyle some clinch opportunities. So, yeah, let me let me take uh, Moyle here. I'll have a little bit of Moyle just in case she does finish with that submission, which I think is a possibility. But, yeah, overall, this is not a great uh, DK fight, I don't think. Next up, Dan, the hangman. Hangman Hooker, 8,500, taking on Gilbert Burns at 7,700. I want to pull up the odds for this fight because I feel like there was going to be some movement in this one. There has been a little bit. Uh, Hooker is down to being only a minus 120 favorite and at five dimes. Uh, Gilbert Burns plus 100, a little bit of odds value there. Burns, I think, is shaping up to be one of the more popular underdogs on this card. And I have to say, I think I agree with it. Hooker, for me, his only path to victory here is landing one of those knees. Unfortunately, Burns' wrestling is still developing, and he could eat one of those knees. But outside of that, I think Gilbert Burns has more power, clearly has the better BJJ. He just has to find a way to get this fight to the ground or you know, land one of his not technical but powerful strikes. Overall, for the discount, I like Burns uh, a fair amount here. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you for this one. Uh, yeah, I... Um... I also like Burns, but I, I I think Hooker is at least semi live here. I think that um, I think he's a smart fighter. I think we've seen him time and time again adjust to what his opponents are doing in the cage, and that's why we see some of those knees land in the first place. Especially with Ross Pearson was ducking and rolling a lot, and the knee came up. Um, but yeah, we saw in that um, what was it the Jakar close fight that um, sometimes. You know, if the opponent's not engaging, he just doesn't do much. And um, I don't expect Burns not to engage, but I do think that 
Um, if Hooker just hangs back and, and waits for his strikes, he could be in a little bit of trouble. We saw him finish that fight with a submission, so we know he's he's got sub skills. Um, and we've also seen um, Gilbert Burns get hurt, uh, rushing in too fast, getting clipped, and having to you know sort of resort to his wrestling as he had to do in his last fight against um, you know a late replacement who wasn't expected to give him any trouble at all. So I don't think Gilbert Burns is in zero danger here. I wouldn't put it completely past Hooker to to land a big shot or catch him with a big counter that changes the course of the fight. But I agree with Sean overall that I think skill for skill, Gilbert Burns is better everywhere. And when you have a situation like that, you have to pick that fighter. So I'm going with Gilbert Burns to take it. Now, Joe, before we flip this over to you, I got two questions for you. One has been sitting here for a while and I, and one popped in this second and they're going to, if you don't know or can't tell, Joe is out in international fight week. Um, I think you're going to go to the tough card, correct? Yes. Good question, by the way. So yes. we'll start with the question from Paul Rodriguez. Sanko, Olivia, or Pierce? And I feel like we've had this question before. <laughs> I am such a – look, I am such a huge Laura Sanko fan, so I, I have to go with Laura Sanko. Look, nothing – Oliveri, nothing, nothing wrong there, but just like – Sense of humor, combination looks, uh, give me Laura Sanko. And because you're out there, and I think I know the answer to this because I saw some of your, your tweets earlier. Nancy, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Nancy. MMA1 asked ribeye, filet, tomahawk, or flank. I had, a, I had a Wagyu 7X premium filet. Oh, dear God. Mm. And off the heels of that, hooker or burns. Okay, so mm. – I wonder if I, if I said Hooker gets taken down, is that politically correct? Anyway, yeah, I am in, going in to. Vegas uh, is. Yeah, I guess in Vegas it is. Right, uh, yeah. I, I am going to um, again. I'm going to complete the trifecta here, as boring as it might be, and go with Gilbert Burns. Honestly, look, none of Hook. I think Hooker is a fine fighter. None of his wins either impressed me, due to the nature of his opponents. Like, yes, okay, he beat the living shit out of Jim Miller, um, who who I was actually at that fight in New Jersey. And, yes, he dominated Jim Miller. But, I mean, look, he had trouble with Jason Knight. And I think Jason Knight has since been exposed. Um, I like Burns a lot more than I like Knight. My one concern with Burns is gas tank. I think the longer this fight goes, if Hooker can extend this fight, I think he has a chance to squeak out a decision. So I would go Burns by finish or Hooker by decision. But my pick is Burns. Uh, next up, Curtis Melender, 8,700, taking on Max Payne Griffin, 7,500. Th- this is a really interesting fight for me. It's one I have been going back and forth on because Melender's young. He's tall. He's got a lot of range. Max Griffin, though, is he keeps proving everyone wrong. He's a very smart fighter, can fight to a game plan. He's a tough guy. I think Melender is just a little too physical here. He's going to be able to use his range. But if Griffin can find a way to get inside – you know, Melender doesn't look the best when he's. I'm still. I'm taking Curtis Melender, but it, I am not very confident at all. I flip flopped a few times in this fight. Uh, Joe, you got any way to bring me a little clarity on Melender and Max Griffin? Uh, probably not. I mean, uh, Melender's fight IQ concerns me a little bit, but I do like him here against Griffin. I mean, I. It's a close fight, but I think as I don't. I don't know if I touch this in cash, but I think Melender makes a fine GPP play for the finish. Um, I think he's got a reasonably high ceiling. Um, you know, Griffin is tough, though, so I, it's, it's not a super confident pick, but 
Um, I do, if I'm putting together a lineup of guys who could potentially get finishes, I would put Melander on that team. Chris, what do you got for us? Yeah, I, I mean, I, they could potentially both get finishes, uh, as far as I'm concerned. I um, I do think it's really interesting. Every time we have a, a, a tall fighter against a shorter fighter who likes to march you down and, and sort of brawl, that interests me because I think, well, that's how you beat tall fighters generally, right? But I also think that um, Melender, like you said, he's going to keep distance well. You know, he's got those kicks. He uses punches well at range. He keeps his range while punching. He doesn't smother himself, uh, which I like, which is a trap that a lot of tall guys fall into. Um, do I think Melender can get overwhelmed here and, and, and he can get outpressured by Griffin? I do. Um, but ultimately, I think that um, the taller, more, um, you know, the more technique-driven fighter who's got, you know, the more varied attacks and um, the deeper offensive game is going to take it home. So I'm going to take Melinder here. All right. Next up, we got Lando Venata, 9,000, taking on Drakkar Close at 7,200. The more I look into this fight, the more I find myself even more confident in Lando Venata. And I have not been on his bandwagon a bunch in his UFC tenure. He's been in there with better guys than Drakkar Close. I, I don't think Drakkar... Jakar comes off as someone who wants to stand and bang, bang, and if he does that with Venata, I think he's going to get knocked out. I think we saw Venata. He puts the, a pace on guys that even he can't keep up with sometimes, and I don't think Jakar is going to be any different. Um, Bobby Green, he nearly stopped him and knocked down. He had four takedowns in that fight. It was, it was a draw, but he nearly got a first-round finish. He's been in there against Tamer, who is going to be a different style of fight. Um, yeah, crazy knockout against Macdessi and then, you know, with Tony Ferguson, who he knocked down. I just think the pace is going to be too much for Jakar Close. He's finally going to get someone to stand and trade with him, but I don't think he really wants it to be Lando Venata. I like Venata a bunch in this spot. Uh, Chris? Yeah, um, my problem uh, with Lando Venata has been, you know, a, a lot of guys who have, who rely too much on their head movement, which I think is Lenata's problem. Uh, Venata's problem, that is. He keeps his hands very low, and he tries to just duck out of the way of every shot, and eventually you're going to get tagged up when you do that, and Venata, that happens to him you know, almost without fail in every fight. Um, I just think that uh, Close is going to be uh, probably the more athletic guy, probably a bit quicker. Um, I think he can, he'll be able to use his wrestling to sort of disrupt, uh, much like the way Tamer did. And... Um, you know, I, ju I just think that, um, you know, I, I like Lando. I like his, you know, his, his kicking attacks. I, I, I like, you know, the pressure he brings, of course, as you mentioned. But I just think that at this stage in their respective careers, Close is the more put-together uh, young fighter prospect, whatever you want to say. So I'm going to take Jakar Close here. Joe, what do you got? Yep. Okay, um, give me Groovy here. Um for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, Sean, Wani's fought better competition. I believe in every single one of his fights, he's gotten a performance bonus. Um, I think uh, he has a clear stand, uh, standing advantage over Jaquar Close. I think he's got him in hand speed. I think he got has him in technique. Um, Close's one weapon is his wrestling. Um, and he's not a young fighter, Close. I mean, he's been kicking around for a while. I know he trains at MMA Lab. 
Um, but I will take uh, Groovy here. I do not know that I like this in cash, but again, this is another one of those fights where I would be tempted to put Lando in uh, GPP lineups that I'm building with guys who could potentially get finishes. Next up, if like you know, if anybody can't hear me, I apologize, and I guess it won't matter. But my connection's jumping around a little bit. You guys hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, I, no, yeah. yeah my, you you cut a little bit, but we can understand you. You're good. My screen is actually totally frozen. I can just hear you. What's the next fight, guys? Anybody got it pulled up? Uh, let's see. It is. Um, ah, it is uh, Rafael Asuncao and versus Rob Font. Asuncao can be had for 9100 and Font can be had for 7100 So, um, Sean, I guess I'll throw it to you first. Since we're yep. going, uh, we sort will of the do opposite. that for one fight. My screen is frozen, but I can see everyone. So, all right. I'll so let's go in the opposite direction. Sean, what do you think? End. On this fight, I'm picking a Sunsau. I'm looking forward to fighting, but a Sunsau, he's just too good technically. The problem is he's garbage for DK. So, in the videos I do on my YouTube page, it's drafting specific picks, and I make a point of that because this is a perfect example. Asuncao is my pick to win the fight. He's a dog shit play on DraftKings. I'll almost, I'll never roster him in cash. I may have a sprinkle in GPP, but I'll have more font for the potential upside because Asuncao keeps getting older. The cliff is coming. I'll take Asuncao to win because I, I just think he's too good and have a typical point fight. But for DraftKings, it's it's dog or pass. Joe. I will take me some uh, Rob Font here. Um, look, yeah. I, I, I like him at 7.1K. I think he's a better DK play. Um, I think that Sun Sao, especially at his price, has got a very limited ceiling. Um, you know, I'm going to have way more Font in my mass entry lineups. I also think that Font is not the worst play in the world in cash simply because a Sun Sao does not generally get Finishes. I mean, Matt Lopez is a weak-chinned fighter. Um, you know, that was a that was a finish. It was a nice finish. But um, I think uh, Trump. I think uh, Fon is fairly safe in cash if you want to go that way. Right. I am back and ready to roll, Chris. Who you got? A Sun Sour Fon. All right. Now that order has been restored. Um, you know, I think I'm going to take Rob Fon here as well. I've been kind of flip-flopping on this, but. I like I like Rob Font quite a bit. He, he's got he's got a really hard stinging jab, which I love about fighters who have that in MMA. Uh, not too many do. Um, he throws in combination. I think uh, he's got good hand speed. I think he uses his range well. And I, I think what can happen here is, as you said, a Sunsau a Sunsau really tends to get into these slow paced fights. And I think um, if Rob Font can come forward and dictate the pace. Um, as he has done in the past, I think he can uh, really shut down a lot of a Sun Sao's game here. I think um, this can this can be sort of a coming out uh, party of sorts uh, for Fon. I think he's got the skills to do it, and I'm going to take him as the dog player. All right, and I, I'm back just in time for a really interesting fight: Paulo Borjasina Costa, 9400, taking on Uriah Hall, 6800. Rebook of this fight that was canceled after Hall had that really scary weight-cutting incident where he, he fainted, was rushed to the hospital. They rebook it, and he still should get mauled here. The, the 
My issue is that Uriah Hall striking on a good day is legit. He is live in GPP because he is the cheapest fighter on the card and can get a knockout. But Costa should just maul him. I'm a little worried about Costa going deep into a fight because he's only beaten um, Gareth McClellan, Alawali Bamboje, and Johnny Hendricks. And Johnny Hendricks, who was mentally defeated. So I, I'm I'm a little worried about Paulo Costa. But again, Uriah Hall on the downswing probably fits in with those names pretty well. So I'll take Costa here, but I'm not a full fade on Hall and GPPs. Uh, I think we start with Chris for this one. Uh, yeah, I love this fight. I think it's it's just one of those fights where you throw it up in the air and you say, "Well, what's gonna what's gonna happen here?" I, listen, I think that um, I think that um, Hall is gonna be a pretty popular dog play, and there's good enough reasons for that, as you alluded to. Uh, we haven't really seen him go deep into fights, but even more than that, he was getting a little tired in in that Bamboje fight, uh, just for the pace Bamboje was keeping. And um, he hasn't had a ton of cage time in the other two fights. Um, he hasn't had to work really hard in either of those fights. So, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really hard to say with confidence he's going to come out and start tall. Who Look, I mean, I have the same problem with Uriah Hall as everybody, where sometimes he can just look defeated and give up the, the way he did in the second Musashi fight. But then, you know, you have a fight like his last fight against Jocko, where he looked done and dusted in the first two minutes, and then actually comes back and wins that fight uh, with a stoppage, no less. And, um, you know, I really think he was able to showcase uh, an underrated um, aspect of his game that we don't get to see a lot, which is his ground and pound. I think he's got really vicious ground and pound. I think if he gets a chance to use it, um, it, it could really be an equalizer in this fight. But, but Paulo Costa, you know, he, he's the big prospect for a reason. He's got power. He's quick. He can wrestle a little bit uh, for a Brazilian guy. Um, you know, so who am I picking to win this fight? I think it's up in the air. I think um, it's a little hard to trust uh, Costa at the price. And I'm going to have a uh, pretty equal weight to this fight, most likely. Ooh, I, I wow. think I'll have much more Costa than Hall. Um, ju just to be clear, I just don't think he's a fade. Joe, how about you? Wow. Um, give me Rico Suave here. Um, I will take him. I like him better in cash. Um, you know, I think there's some risk in GPPs because I'm not sure how high his ceiling is, but I do think Rico is a fairly reasonable cash play if you could work him in your lineup. Um, but uh, yeah, so give me Rico, um, play him in cash. All right. Next up, a fight that I want to be really clear on because and some people aren't going to listen to me. And it, you know what? If you, if you go against what I'm about to say, best of luck to you. I just, I, I can't advise it. Go Kansaki 8,400 taking on Khalil Roundtree Jr. 7,800. And the advice I was alluding to do not play this fight in cash. If you do, you are out of your freaking mind. And I'm going to leave it at that. Um, somebody suggested stacking this fight. I wouldn't do that either while I get it. Is likely to be a finish. It's they could end up staring at each other for a round. Roundtree also could come in with the grappling game plan, which who the hell knows? He's he's the one susceptible to grappling in his career. But Saki is a kickboxer who was in trouble against Henrique de Silva. Listen, I, I this is a GPP fight. I'm 
pretty much going to go all in 50-50 on it. Um, it's how I have it right now. The fight pick, though, I'm going to keep banging this drum, and it's not with any kind of real venom, I say it, but Gokansaki is a kickboxer. He's fighting mixed martial arts. I know Roundtree's a one-dimensional mixed martial arts fighter. That's the way my lean is going to be every time. So I'm going to take Roundtree. Keeping in mind, I'll have plenty of Saki in GPPs. Joe, how are you approaching this fight? Uh, give me the Turkish Mike Tyson here. Um, I am not a big fan of Roundtree. I think his game is so one-dimensional. Um, you know, you heard about his improved focus in his last fight and how he wasn't, he didn't have his typical persona where he was just so happy and friendly and was really, you know, focused and tight and he looked like shit. <laughs> um, so give me the Turkish Mike Tyson here um, by finish. I do don't think this fight goes to decision, which is why it is a is a good GPP site fight. But I'm also with you there. Um, I don't like this in cash at all. I don't think this should be stacked. Um, but give me the Turkish Mike Tyson by finish. Chris, what do you got? All right. Well, uh, Joe's going to have to be the odd man out once again because uh, I'm taking uh, round three here. I just I, I have such a bad feeling about um, about I, I just, want, I just want to interject. He's very rarely the odd man out. It's usually you. And, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, and, and I'm not all in on Roundtree trying to paint me into this corner. Holy crap. <laughs> Come on, man. Band of brothers. Ah, well, no. Um, no, neither am I. You still, you, still haven't, you still haven't earned me back. Oh. I'll get there. I'll get there. But um, no, look, I, I'm, I'm not here to tell you that I'm I'm very comfortable with Roundtree, but I just, um, I don't know, man. Enrique De Silva was brought in as like a showcase fight, and he almost got finished. And he almost got finished because, one, he doesn't know how to fight in the clinch, which is expected because he's a kickboxer. And two, he had absolutely no gas tank left after about three minutes, which is, I believe, your standard kickboxing round. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm not here to tell you that Roundtree has the best gas tank either, but um, if he can get in close and stay out of range of those, you know, deadly fast hands and deadly hooks like the one who that put out De Silva when he was winning the fight, I still can't understand that decision. But especially since it handed him his walking papers, that's a that's a rough one. But um, yeah, I I just think that if 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 Roundtree has any semblance of following a game plan at all, he can win this fight. Um, if he doesn't, he's gonna get knocked out. But as for who I pick to win, I'm gonna take uh, some Roundtree here in GPPs. Next up, Michael Maverick Chiesa, 8600, taking on Anthony Showtime Pettis at 7600. Both guys probably actually winding down their, their careers. Uh, the more I hear from Kiesa in interviews, the more I don't like. But I'm still picking him because Pettis can't stop a takedown. We've seen Kiesa sub out, you know, guy after guy. I, I just I can't bring myself to pick Anthony Pettis. Um, his striking is probably a little better than Kiesa's. It's just it's that takedown defense. And I know he's he's got a good guard. Just Kiesa is so heavy on top. I think eventually this fight gets to the ground and Kiesa gets a win here. I was more confident playing him on DraftKings earlier in the week. I'm still picking him, but as my constructions go, I think there are better places to pay up or, or even pivot down some, but I'll still take Michael Kiesa. Uh, Chris? Yeah, um, this I have to confess, this might be 
a little bit of bias creeping and I, I have a very hard time picking uh, sick jitsu fighters to win any kind of high level fight and for those of you that don't know uh, sick jitsu is Michael Chiesa's gym and uh, the guy who runs it uh, doesn't believe in checking leg kicks and doesn't believe you should be able to be hurt by body kicks um, so I have a really hard time taking anybody who trains at that gym seriously um, I think that, um, and you know, Benil Dariush um, actually put that into practice, a good measure against Kiesa until, you know, Kiesa found the found choke. But um, look, I think that um, Pettis, I think his striking is, is a good deal better. You know, I think um, he's going to be able to use those kicks to good effect. And I think if he gets taken down here, look, um, as, I, as and I believe I said to you on Twitter, um, I think Pettis has had something like 27 fights. And he's never actually been subbed out. He had that that weird Poirier thing where Poirier was on top, and then and then he hurt his ribs, and they stopped the fight. But as far as like a good and proper sub, real, rear naked choke, etc., uh, that's never happened to him before. And um, two of two of uh, two of Kiesa's three losses are by submission. So um, I I I trust Pettis is one of the few fighters in the UFC I trust to fight off his back. Even through all the blood and all the sweat and all and all the crap, he almost uh, locked up a triangle on Dustin Poirier twice. Um, so I think if the fight gets there, he can at least use it to get back to his feet if he can't get a sub. I just think he's going to be able to implement his game in uh, a, the way that he wants, and I think he's going to pick up the win here. Joe, who you got? Uh, give me Michael Chiesa by finish. Uh, you disappoint uh, me, Joe. Although, you know, look, not me, not me. obviously Pettis is, is, you know, fought the tougher fighters of, overall. Um, you know, I wish I, I wish they would have let that fight against, um, that Kiesa fight against Kevin Lee play out. I would have liked to have seen that um, play out a little more because, you know, he maybe, was going to go out. Maybe he was going to go out. Maybe he was going to go out, but I would have liked to have seen it play out anyway. But I, I like Michael Chiesa here. I mean, again, I think this is a tricky fight. Um, I don't know what any either fighter's upside is if this goes to decision. Um, so tread cautiously. But again, Kiesa is one of those guys. If you're building that GPP lineup, I don't like this fight in cash, but if you're building that GPP lineup with fighters who could potentially get finishes, I think he's one that you might want to consider using in a MM in a mass entry GPP. All right, next up. We have Mike Platinum Perry, 8,800, taking on Paul Felder at 7,400. few things to note on this fight. This fight is two guys who lost their opponents. Uh, Mike Perry was supposed to fight Yancey Medeiros, and Paul Felder was supposed to fight James Vick. Medeiros pulls out with an injury, and James Vick gets bumped up uh, to take on to fight at 227, right? The... Um, the LA card, I believe. And these two were left opponentless. And now they're going to fight each other at 170. So Felder going up a weight class. He does have tough cuts. We'll get to that in a second. The other thing I wanted to mention is DraftKings priced this fight. Like Mike Perry was still taking on Yanti Medeiros. It is a major misprice. Mike Perry's 8,800. Paul Felder's at 7,400. And Paul Felder's a minus 155 favorite. So massive, massive, massive line value. God, I hate to say it. It's almost a free square in cash, but it's hard for me because I'm actually going to pick Mike Perry to win this fight. Oh, goodness. Mike Perry, 
it, it, and that's why it's a really interesting GPP play because everyone's going to be on Felder. Felder, the longer these fights goes, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to hang in there with Mike Perry as this gets dragged in into deep water. He's I don't think he's going to knock out Mike Perry. Perry withstood punches from Santiago Ponzinibbio, a 170-er. Felder is knocking out guys like, you know, Stevie Ray. He lost to Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, I don't remember Ricci's first name, but Ricci. You know, that's the kind of guy Felder is beating. Josh Berkman, Darren Crookshank. He's got a loss to, to Ross Pearson. Like, it's this, this is, might be, a, in terms of quality competition, Perry has the better competition. Uh, Felder beat the Bronx. He beat Dubronx, but everyone beats Dubronx once you get past the uh, the uh, sub. Felder withstood a sub for three minutes. Second round, Dubronx does what Dubronx did and quit. Uh, Mike Perry lost to Max Griffin, but he went three rounds with with, with Ponzinibbio, knocked out Ellenberger. I think the size is going to be an issue in this fight. I know Perry is smaller, stockier, and the bigger build, but I don't think Felder's going to be able to bully him. I actually think Perry is going to push forward and cause some issues with his pressure. Felder... I think it's going to get uncomfortable by the pressure of Mike Perry. I'm going to take Mike Perry to win. I'm still debating playing Felder in cash. I wish the prices were flipped, and I would love Mike Perry on DraftKings if he was the one who was 7,400. But the pricing, it makes things a lot harder. So for what it's worth, I like Mike Perry to win this fight. Joe, chimed in. I feel like you disagree with me, so let's hear it. Now, look, I mean, I like Felder here. Um, Obviously, great value on DraftKings. Aside from that, there's a bunch of narratives surrounding Mike Perry. Um, you know, he did – one of them is going to Jackson Wink, although from what I heard, Jackson Wink, no one really worked with him for this camp. He essentially did his own thing at Jackson Wink, um, had a bad breakup, um, apparently did 100 shots of tequila with John Jones, uh, has been seen up and down the strip partying. Um, look, I, I I like his Getty's violence incarnate, but – um, I think that Felder will likely be more prepared um, and not having to make that way cut should pay dividends. I am going with Paul Felder. Chris, break the tie. Uh, yeah, uh, emphatically with Paul Felder for me. I just – look, Mike Perry is just – to me, this is just different levels of striking. Uh, Mike Perry, the, the reason why he lost that fight to Max Griffin, which is a fight I thought he was going to win – uh, full disclosure, was because Mac Griffin just said, okay, when you march me down, I'm going to angle off and I'm going to, and I'm going to throw a shot. And Mike Perry like had no idea how to deal with that. Like he was stunned that somebody just didn't back straight up into the fence when he walked them down. It, it was kind of, I, I really think, I mean, I think we all assumed that Mike Perry was sort of a meat and potatoes brawler pressure striker, but I didn't know it was to that extent where all you had to do was circle off a little bit and you could totally throw him off his game. So that that really, um, you know, makes me think that we're dealing with two levels of strikers here. And look, um, Mike Perry, Perry couldn't handle um, Alan Joban uh, with his kicking game um, and levels of striking. So I think Paul Felder is a notch above that. And, and, I, and I think that, um, look, Paul Felder has, has weapons for that pressure. Uh, you brought up the Ricci fight, the, the beautiful step and elbow that he used to uh, hurt Ricci and then finish that fight. I, I just, I just think, I, I well, for, I think that Felder is is the smarter fighter without question. I think he's the deeper technical f- fighter. My my only concern here, and not really concern, but maybe just a, a disappointment, is that he's gonna be so heavily owned because the price is clearly off. But I think, like, I think if you're if you're 
if you're playing cash, you kind of have to have him because uh, everybody's going to have him. So if you don't have him, you're behind the eight ball because I do think he wins pretty convincingly. If but wins, um, we've, we've said that about Eric Shelton and and there was another fight recently. Blind guy, he was burning some people. So no, I, no, I, I know, but um, I, well, I, I, I guess I guess that that lets you know how much just how much I, I believe in Mike Perry, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna take Paul Felder pretty comfortably here. I don't think Mike uh, Mike Perry's gonna knock him out, and if Mike Perry can't knock you out, I don't think he beats you in a fight. So there you go. I, I, I'm really liking Perry more and more for GPP just because everyone's on that wavelength and he's so cheap as Felder. So for what it's worth, I, I like Perry and GPP. Uh, Francis Ngannou, 9,300, taking on Derek the Black Beast Lewis at 6,900. Give me Francis, but if this goes past the first round, I'm going to be nervous. Uh, I wouldn't full on Derek Lewis. I think this is a really good week to use both both of the lowest price fighters, both Hall and Lewis, just a little bit, open up some salary space, and one of them could very well come through and win you a GPP. Don't go nuts because they, they are clear punts. I like Inganu in, in here. Uh, probably to get to get to get a quick finish. We we've seen Lewis is habitually a slow starter. Uh, so I, I think Inganu will will put him away in the first round. I am a little worried of the price tag that they'll stand and look at each other for the first round and Ngannou will start with a second round finish, but I still like him to win pretty comfortably. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Um, this is, this is sort of a, I don't want to say a toss up fight, but it, but it's, but it's too awesome. heavy. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no well, I think I gave it good justice, like 10% Derek Lewis and move on. Oh my well, God. All, all, all I mean to say is that look, Either fighter can knock out the other. Just to be clear, the pick is in Ganu, Joe. So calm down. But um, I, I, I just, I, I just want to actually to that end because I've been seeing that I've been seeing this a lot where like Ngannou has has no gas tank or he can be if you if you wrestle him or or you know get physical with him he's going to just attrit very easily and I, I'm not really sure that's true. Um, first of all, I mean Stipe had to you know really tried to, to hold him down all five rounds, basically. Like, he never stopped trying to get to his feet. And I think it was either round three or round four. I think Stipe thought, okay, this guy is tired. I'm going to go in for the kill. And still got cracked with a hard shot and had to go back to wrestling. So can um, Ngannou get tired? Yes. But can he fight while he's tired? I think he can. I, just, I don't necessarily buy that he's going to just, you know, turn into, you know, just – this piece of flubber in the cage because, you know, you lean on him a little bit and, you know, Derek Lewis doesn't wrestle anyway. So his, his wrestling is more like, you know, I, I, I catch a kick and then fall into you and you fall over and now I'm on top of you. But um, I, I, I have to like Nganu here, even though I think Derek Lewis gets a bad rap. I think, I think um, I like how opportunistic he is in the cage. I like he, he gets his moment even if it's a small moment, like we saw in the Marching Hell fight, um, and he takes it and he, and he can finish the fight in an instant. And I, I think he deserves credit for that. But I think uh, Nganu is more technical. I think um, he's going to use his range better. I think, I actually think he's going to have the better gas tank here, but I, I guess time will tell. Um, I, I Look, I, I, just th- I just think he's a better fighter. And I think. Uh, look, um, Lewis could give him a scare here, could give him a scare, but ultimately I think that 
Ngannou is, is going to uh, get a stoppage. Joe, how quickly do you think this one ends? Wow, way more analysis than I think this fight needed. Um, there is a five dimes prop, 150 to one, that I put 100 bucks on that Derek Lewis shits himself in the octagon. Um, so no, I am, is I, really? I, I am on that prop for a hundred bucks at a hundred five to one on that 150 to one. Oh, I was going to say you for must, you must really have a hundred bucks that, uh, Derek Lewis shits himself in the octagon. So I am going to go, um, Francis Ngannou by technical knockout due to a Derek Lewis inappropriate bowel movement in the octagon. Why would you throw away a hundred dollars like that? Why? <laughs> Angano and cash, Angano and GPP, closest thing to a free square on this card. And on that note, we're going to move to the main event. Steve Bay Miocic, 8,900, the reigning defending heavyweight champion. Moving on, moving. I can't even talk. I can't believe you bet that. If that hits, you are buying me a Wagyu steak. <laughs> 15K. Jeez. Taking on Daniel D.C. Cormier, the reigning but not defending light heavyweight champ as he seeks to become the, the second ever champ champ in the UFC, probably the first one to defend a belt if he were to become a double champ. He's at 7,300 if I didn't mention, and to me this fight is just line drawn. I know Miocic has the power advantage. He probably is the better boxer, although I'm not 100% convinced of that. Oh. DC's, D, I'm not convinced of it. DC's wrestling is better. It just is. It's Olympic level wrestling to D1 wrestling is different. I'm not, and we've seen DC deal with guys the size of Steve Bay. There's only going to be, was it 15, 10, 10, 15 pound, you know, di discrepancy in this fight, which for heavyweight isn't massive. We've seen DC slam guys around um, like Josh Barnett um, and other heavyweights. When he fought a heavyweight, granted that wasn't strike force, strike force, just that he can man, manhandle that much weight. I think just the fight should be lined closer, and everyone's on Stipe. I like DC to get this done. I think his wrestling is enough. I'm a little worried about the the power and of Miocic with the chin of of DC, but I think he uses his wrestling and, and manages to pull this out. Assuming he's not hurt and this fight still happens. Give me the underdog in Daniel DC Cormier uh, for cash. I'm probably going to stack this fight, and then GPPs. I am going to have a fair share of Miocic as well. So I do think the winner of this fight is on the optimal lineup. So this fight and Saki Roundtree are my two nearly all ins for GPP. Uh, Joe, I, I got I got you making noises during during my little analysis, which I always like. I like to upset you a little. Especially after you talk about Derek Lewis shitting himself. So what do you got? Miocic or Cormier? Champ champ time. Look, you're going to have a 39-year-old limping because he oh, felt tripped That's right. You're going to have a 39-year-old limping PC um, who is at a severe height and reach disadvantage. What I was chuckling about is that you think Cormier is, is even remotely in the same league as Stipe Boxing. Um, that's what I was – you know, ha haing about. Um, look, I, I, I am so much respect for Miocic after how he beat, um, how he beat uh, Nganu. I mean, and if you look at if you look at Miocic's face, he hit, he took some punches from Nganu. I mean, you see his face after that fight, and he ended up wearing him out, 
taking him down. I don't think Cormier has got anything striking-wise like Nganu. Um, Yes, he's got his wrestling to fall back on, assuming he can walk after that fall and he's not limping around the octagon. Um, I like Miocic here. You know, I don't know that I would bat minus 270 on, on this fight, but I do like him, and I will take I would take a stab at an inside-the-distance uh, prop on, on Miocic. Chris, what do you got for our main event? Yeah, um, I agree that the fight is closer than the line, but DC always scares me. Um, when he goes up against good strikers because he, he has that move where he just comes forward and dips his head and sort of leaves himself open. I mean, we saw Volkan Uzdemir kind of tag him up before he got his wrestling going and brought it to the ground. So um, I think I think DC puts a little bit more faith in his striking than is warranted. And I think if he does that here, it could really hurt. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who knocked out Redoom going backwards. Uh, so uh, I think that Stipe has, has the power to end this fight uh, pretty much whenever. I, it's going to be interesting to me to see um, what the wrestling looks like from Cormier because I, I don't I can't quite recall the last time we saw somebody try to take Stipe Miocic down with regularity. So that's going to be interesting to me. Um, but I think that if DC can't get his wrestling game going, I think that, um, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, defensive wrestling Stipe has, but if he can't get his wrestling game going, I think he's going to be in big trouble here. I think um, he, can, he can get boxed up um, pretty easily here, and that, that's kind of what I'm expecting to happen, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if Stipe got maybe a second or third round finish. So that's what we got for in terms of fight breakdowns. Let's move on to our Hot takes for this card. I feel like we have we have quite a few to choose from. Anyone have one ready while I'm scrolling through? Mm. Ready with their hot take? No, not yet. All right. So then I, I guess I'll go. You know what? Let's let's the the hottest of take. I think the massive line value trend that we've seen over the last few months continues to burn people, and Mike Perry knocks out Paul Felder. Wow. You always have the best ones. This is this is this is your segment. You come to life in this segment. Yes, he does. You got one shot. You got one, Chris? Well, I'm I'm surprised that you don't you ha- you have your hot take, Joe. You have a hot smelly take. And uh, oh, <laughs> Yes, my hot take is Lewis shits himself in the octagon. That's it. That's my hot take. Um, my hot take is that we see a vintage Anthony Pettis triangle and he subs out Michael Chiesa for the win. Wow. That is a hot take. Definitely a hot take call on method of victory. So, again, guys, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast, Rotowire MMA. Follow all of us on Twitter. Make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free. Check out all their usually paid content for 10 days, no credit card required. Enjoy our back-to-back two nights of fights uh, Joe, enjoy your what I'm assuming is cage side seats for the, the tough finale. Um, everybody, good luck in your contest. We will see you next time. Boise. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.